Daniel Brogan. Thanks for tuning in again to Brogan's Run. This is episode three. I uh, just want to start by saying a huge thank you to everyone who tuned in to the first couple of episodes with Group Zero. Um, according to one metric, which I don't know how reliable this is, uh, it was in the top 50 arts podcast in Ireland in the past 30 days. Again, not sure if that's actually true or accurate, um, but I'll promote the myth of it. Quite happy to do that. Um, and if anyone wants to debunk it, feel free. Um, but anyway, thank you. Uh, apparently, people in 10 countries have tuned in so far, which is kind of mind-blowing, and I really appreciate it. If you're enjoying the podcast, please do leave a review and rate the podcast, subscribe to the podcast, and follow me on social media. All those things are really helpful. Um, so yeah, again, thank you. And so I'm just going to move on then to the subject of today's show, which is the band or Project Autumns. Uh, from Derry in Northern Ireland, Christian Donaghy has been recording under the name Autumns for the past decade with a super prolific string of releases on labels such as Touch Sensitive, Downwards, Death and Leisure and Opal Tapes, among many others. His music has evolved in that time from early period guitar orientation to a highly distinctive brand of dub-drenched techno, which Christian describes as Derry Dubwave, all while still retaining a post-punk ethos. His live shows are incendiary, sometimes confrontational and always propulsively entertaining. Autumn's are touring Europe throughout February and March. I'll drop the tour poster into the podcast socials. Watch out for that. They're well worth catching, especially if you need something to blow away the cobwebs of the past couple of years slow living. And let's face it, who doesn't? Our conversation was recorded remotely in early January 2022. So without further ado, let's jump in. This is Autumn's. you're still in Derry and how you feel about that um mixed feelings I think um half the time I like it and feel very grateful to be from a place like here and the other half of me is like like anyone I guess if they're still in the place they were brought up they kind of want to run away from it a bit yeah you know yeah to Europe (laughs) Do you think you would want to live somewhere else then? You would would you try? Would you ever try and go somewhere else to live? Yeah, do you think? I'm kind of in the, the process of that now. I think about um I want to go to Vilnius, capital of Lithuania. Oh right. Yeah, I was gonna ask you about Lithuania because yeah. I saw that you'd played there recently. Yeah, I've played there a bunch of times now, and it's just like one of the best places ever. Right. If Amazing. not my favorite city, yeah. And is it kind of like relatively cheap to live there extremely it's it's really? pretty even even for Derry being such an affordable place in terms of yeah. the uk and ireland it's shocking how much you know other places can be like you could get like a apartment in the center for probably like 400 euros and it's a nice place and amazing all the rest yeah that's quite a good show actually because i don't know one of my kind of trying to have resolutions for this year is to try and go somewhere abroad because <laughs> anywhere i've been on a plane um since the last time sea pinks toured and that was like 2017 but yeah well that sounds cool um i hope go, that works go out for it Neil. honestly it's so cheap it's the it's beautiful the food's great you know cool. 
Well, I'll wait, I'll wait till you're set up there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it gives me a bit mind. more motivation too. So, When I first sort of became aware of you, you were like making music with guitars yeah. and a drum machine. And then quite quickly you had a band, like a three-piece band. And you were really good. And you played shows for like as a band for like a year or something, maybe two yeah. years. I don't know. And then it kind of it went in a different direction, which is a direction that you're still following now. And that seems to have started around when Downwards kind of got involved. Yeah. Would that be right? Downwards was the first record I ever done. So that actually has more to do with the record on CF because the only difference is I record it by myself. Right. So it sounds like shit. (laughs) So it's, you know, floor tom snare and only guitar and some vocals. But the only difference is we went to the start together for the seven inch. Right. But I listened to that, the very first thing, the Downwards um, EP. awful. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I don't think it is. I think it's actually, um, I think I have more appreciation for it now listening to all your other stuff because actually there's a through line um, from that stuff, I think from that really earliest stuff to what Mm. you're doing now because it's it's actually quite consistent, I think. Um, I mean, it sounds like a really primitive, primitive version of where you've, where you've gone you know but um at when i first heard that stuff i kind of assumed all right um it's guitar oriented i was listening to the guitars really and mm. not really listening to the drum machine and it kind of it, in the end you sort of abandoned the guitars well not abandon them but there's still kind of a, a, a texture in there they're still in there a bit right yeah exactly but yeah you went definitely towards the drum machine kind of end of things and um was that did you like find downwards or did they find you? How no, did that happen? They they found me. Um I probably I think I put off maybe three or four songs on SoundCloud and within two months I get this email from the guy who runs it, um yeah. Car- Carlo Connor, who is Regis. Yeah. Um, who's like, you know, I had no idea at the time, but as like a techno legend. Yeah, and uh, he was like, literally, emailed me so bluntly, like, take down all your recordings from SoundCloud. I'm putting out these on a 12 inch. And at the time, I was like, I don't give a shit who this is if they want to put out these songs, because that's all I ever wanted to do. You know, as a, I was yeah. only like 17, maybe just turned 18. Yeah. So I was yeah. like, I, I don't give a shit. I want to do this. So of course, that was, yeah. it was that kind of quick and easy. So I kind of thought, oh, this is how the music industry works. <laughs> you know no uh, contracts nothing one day yeah. i show up and there's there's a box of you know 15 records and it's mine and yeah i was like this is great amazing that's the dream isn't it like i can remember all that happening and you getting um you talking about that happening like him him kind of getting in touch with you and when you had when it came out and stuff and i was like really just totally impressed by how that how quickly it all happened you know yeah um, at, the, at the time i was like you know the classic thing i was like i made it you know <laughs> that's all i said at the time I was like all i want to do is put out a record you know and yeah. then i was like oh it'd be amazing if i got to play in dublin and then that happened like the following month or something and things just kept building that way so i was very yeah. lucky you know yeah but i think you know he clearly heard something there that like, you know, he's not going to just randomly email anybody. He, he heard something that, <laughs> that obviously 
he really liked. Um, and listening back to it, I can totally see that, you know, yeah. the way that it's gone. And, like, he clearly knows what he's looking for, you know. But, I mean, at the same time, it was probably quite random, the sequence of events which led to him finding that. Or maybe somebody sent it to him. Who knows? Like I have you. no I have no idea. And honestly, I don't even want to know. I think it's better. <laughs> yeah. But the, totally. the only thing I, I regret about that period is kind of, you know, it did the life ban thing for maybe a year and a half. And yeah. You know how it is. It's like when you're making the tunes and you need people to play play it live it's it's so hard to get people in the same place you know even yeah, like when is. you're like a teenager people still want to do other things so i was yeah. like stuff it like i've always loved drum machine on records especially when i was really getting into i kind of had the indie you know guitar band face and then i started really yeah. getting the post-punk thing yeah and most of those records are drum machines so i was like i'm getting a drum machine we're doing guitar and bass but i never had the money or the equipment to record any of that stuff at yeah. the time. So there's yeah. no, there's like a maybe a year and a half gap of no, no releases. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a shame that there's nothing out there of that stuff because it would maybe make more sense if people go through the, the kind of discography or whatever. So you mean that the band's era, that kind of time? or So that was kind of like live drummer, maybe the yeah. year and a half, then live a completely transit transition to a drum machine live yeah because i can remember you you had the three piece and then there was i remember seeing you play like records through day and it was just you and the drum machine yeah and it was the first time i'd seen you like that and then you kind of like uh i remember you like walked out of the shop with the mic and like started going down the street and stuff <laughs> oh so cringy <laughs> no it was great because that's another thing about you you were always like really like you know willing to go into the audience and stuff and like confront people yeah um that's still the way (laughs) and it's still the way right but do you is that you kind of like um because you know you don't come across as any way confrontational in person so are you kind of like doing that when you're playing to sort of is that like a side of your personality that you're allowing to kind of um you know come out when you're performing or is it something that you're actually like uh getting out of your comfort zone or are you just totally not nervous about doing that kind of thing it's funny like especially now like in the older i've got the more nervous i get for gigs right but as soon as i'm on stage the classic thing it kind of goes but it's Mm -hmm. never anything that i've planned to do you right. know, the stupid things like claiming a PA or, you know, yeah. I remember throwing my guitar on top of the PA in the black box for like output <laughs> or, you know, something, one of those kind of industry things or whatever. And it just always felt natural, but it just was always fun. You know, yeah. I was yeah. sick to death. Yeah. I think even the music I was into, it was all about just standing there. And it's the yeah. classic thing. Like, I, I just didn't want to stand there anymore. You know, I had, yeah. so, had so much energy then and still do yeah. that it just was like, you know, it just it just felt great. <laughs> it was just, it really did. It felt great just throwing yourself about. And I guess, like, that's the other thing. You were, you were quite young to start with. Like, you were still in your teens when you were yeah. starting this. So when you are that age, you know, you are a bit less. Um, you don't really, you know, 
maybe you're a bit less inhibited maybe um and so you've been able to like keep doing that which is something i'm like always impressed by you know i didn't even drink then you know either (laughs) yeah that's right i'm remembering that now because we were always we were always drunk (laughs) and you were like stone cold sober that's right because yeah i was looking actually at your writer um i thought i might ask you about that let's see where is it you do have a few beers now yeah there's a bottle of water yeah dinner no fast food that's reasonable um you like a few guestless spots um it's like a very modest writer yeah i that's more an agent thing to be honest rather than actually me <laughs> he's right. like you have to ask for something i'm like you know the fact that i'm getting booked and have a hotel is insane yeah totally but some people would totally rip ours on that oh I, and know. i've seen it in person yeah it's yeah. shocking yeah yeah i'm always kind of like you know i haven't like played i haven't toured for a few years now but i remember the last tour that sea pinks did we played this show in switzerland and we like have no following in switzerland it was like but there was so much money uh around and like we got paid a stupid amount for playing this show that hardly anybody went to but the writer backstage was like the most lavish thing i've ever seen in my life and we didn't ask for any of it we were almost embarrassed by how much stuff there was it's mm. like all these like really fancy donuts and everything. <laughs> it was ridiculous. And there was far too much for us as well, like yeah. to try and consume. Um but and I also remember in girls' names we used to try and kind of like um take stuff with us to so we could make you know, make it last a bit longer when we were like in the mm. van or whatever the next day, you know. That's another thing I really kind of envied about you back in the day was that you could just jump on a plane and you still can with like a hold all of with a few bits in it and go and play a show on your own somewhere, which is so much easier yeah. than being in a band. That was the main, that was the main driver of me going electronic. I got offered mm-hmm. on the tail end of my degree to go and tour the States for a month. Yeah. And that's I right. was like, it's either not do it because I need a band or it's either figure it out and go do it. And that's right. how it started. The, the, electronic thing like <laughs> it's a leap of faith but it worked out yeah but i think you were going that way right you were kind of going in that direction um, i was getting into things like suicide and cabaret voltaire and stuff so it, it it was exciting because that music was so new to me you know yeah it must have been amazing going around the states like um just on your own well yeah i had I had people i was with and i there was another band I toured with called Nightfields, um, and I mm-hmm. played drums for them. So I would play first, and then I would play drums for them after. Right. Um, but it, it was great. It was my first time ever turn, first time flying on my own, first time Amazing. in the States. So a lot of firsts, um, yeah. and I was only like 21. It's uh, perfect age, man. It really is. It was, that, like... it was absolutely perfect, and... I remember like the first two days in New York and I was like, I wasn't homesick, but I was like, there's just, I shouldn't be doing this. This feels so wrong. You know, I'm still in uni. And then five days later, it's like, you know, you know, next stop, here we come, you know, like all four. And then pretty much as soon as that tour was over, it was like, now you have a booking agent. Um, uh, You have a gig in Madrid or whatever, first time going Mm -hmm. to Paris. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? (laughs) 
<laughs> and at the time, still trying to work out the live thing. Now I have it really honed in, like drum machine. I have a drum machine, a sequencer, mm-hmm. and a synth, and I'm doing vocals, and I have a throw out some samples of guitar and noisy saxophone. But at the time, I was like, had a 505 drum machine and was just hoping for the best. Like, I mean, it's, I hate thinking back because I can imagine the show's been dreadful, but. I'm sure, no, they were, they were great though, because that's the thing, but you have this kind of like uh, charismatic presence so that you would carry it off anyway, because you're just watchable. When, because and I, it says here, I'm looking at your setup again, and it's something about the table. They need the table needs to be quite big because you're six foot four. <laughs> it's just it it's part of the move. stature. Like yeah. when somebody's tall, I think, and you're watching them perform, and then they're willing to kind of go out into the audience and um, engage with people. It, it, it kind of like it's not like the music secondary or anything, but it's all part of one thing, you know. The, yeah the performance kind of carries it. So I'm sure, I'm sure it was great. Like, but yeah, I'm sure now that you've been doing it a few years, you've got it a lot more honed. Yeah. And, and Autumn's you know? has always felt a more of a, um, I don't want to say again, that the recording side and making songs is less important, but the life thing has always given me the most satisfaction. Yeah. In comparison to say, making a tune and I'm like really excited about it. It just doesn't hit the same way. And that just purely could be because there's maybe over a hundred people clapping. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, yeah, but it's weird because it's always the first time I was ever in a proper nightclub was because I was playing the gig. Mm-hmm. And so that it, it's weird, like transitioning from playing half seven, eight o'clock to a few people on a band to playing at like four in the morning to people who are off their face. <laughs> yeah. You know, Absolutely. at the time I was like, this is the sh- like, this is amazing. And, I'm sure it is. Like, yeah, I can only imagine what that's like, you know, cause I've never done that. So I don't know in your twenties, like that's the time to be doing that stuff, you know? Yeah. And, and like, I'm sure the buzz is amazing from all those people at that time of night. Like, and you've played like places like Russia, you played Moscow and stuff, haven't you? Yeah, I've played there a few times. Beirut. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like almost what was Moscow like? Um, probably one of the first time I went over there. I think I was uh, around twenty three. Um so I, I had played a few clubs and stuff at this stage and it was kind of, you know, gathering up you know, experience and stuff, but it was definitely one of the probably best moments of my life. Yeah. I'll never forget. It, it was like three rooms and we were in this main room and I just assumed I was going to be in the tiny room. And I went to the promoter. I was like, Oh, what time will I set up in the other room? And he was like pointing to the big stage. He was like, you're there at three <laughs> o'clock in the morning. And I'm not joking. There's probably about a thousand people there oh and they were God. standing right next to me and behind me, you know, yeah. right up there. And, it, it was just blew my mind. I was on a high for months after. It was insane. Were you all by yourself that time? Did you just did you have anybody with you? Yeah, no, didn't know anyone. Just <laughs> relying on the booking agent to kind of secure a, a nice promoter that won't kill me. Yeah, and were you like nervous then before that? I wasn't nervous until I started to realize you know you needed a visa and it was all quite official you needed to get like um 
Yeah. It's not like a recommendation, but you need, you know, the promoters to like say the reason you're coming in and all this. So mm-hmm. I started to get nervous around that, but not from being there or anything. So when you walked, when you knew you were going to be playing at three in the morning to like a thousand people, uh, you didn't feel any, <laughs> oh shit, <laughs> kind of feeling, especially on your own. Cause I think when you're in a band, at least you have the other people in the band to bounce off before mm. you would go and play. But sometimes that can make it worse. But if I, you're just all by yourself, like, yeah. I just can't imagine. It's funny. It's like a few things come into my, he- my head. It's like, you know, one, I'm like, I'm, I'm this age. I'm in Russia. I'm from Derry. This shouldn't be happening. Full stop. <laughs> this is <laughs> insane. So I, I kind of, I get really corny and I'm like, not emotional, but I'm just like really appreciative. And I was like, you're fucking yeah. right. I'm going to give it then. I didn't come all this way to have a half-ass gig. Yeah. You know, I didn't go four hours and a bus to Dublin, wait for four hours, get a flight that was like five hours just to sit there and half-ass it. Russia, I'm going to have vodka and all that kind of shit. Oh, yeah. um, but it was, yeah. And again, like, you know, in, in Russia, they always have great DJs and they always do like live acts too. So you just get hyped uh-huh. from seeing the other people. Right. So right. I, you just gradually, tension starts building. And then once it starts hitting like the two o'clock, half two, you're just like, I need to go on now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I remember that, that need just like when you have to wait ages to play um and it's like i've played and i've never played that late at night but i've played at about one in the morning yeah and i was just like desperate to get out there so it's, it's like yeah i don't know how long i can bottle this energy <laughs> like it, you know it, yeah it's funny because at the start i was like especially when i was playing with i guess my my peers like people i looked up to and started playing with mm-hmm. those people like Broken English Club or Veronica Vasika who runs Minimal Wave and stuff. And it was like, yeah, I'm going to go to the hotel and sleep. And I was like, what? Like, there's just no way I could sleep now. You know? So, And they would always play later because they're bigger names. So, you know, sometimes people aren't playing until like eight in the morning. Yeah. So So I guess three is kind of like, um, it's like playing at, you know, 11 at night or something. <laughs> exactly, you know? yeah. And it's funny because anytime now that I play a gig and it's at a reasonable hour, I'm just like, I might as well be playing a lunchtime gig. Yeah. Like, it's so weird. But um, yeah, two o'clock, three o'clock is perfect. But once it starts hitting the five mark, you just, yeah, it can be long. Yeah. Do you think that's your favorite thing you've played? Like Moscow? or It's definitely or up there, I think. Um, 
playing there uh my first like headline gig in new york yeah just at the end of 2019 was pretty uh where just, was that then in new york yeah where, where did you play it was in brooklyn but it was like a part of this festival called enter zone so it was across like four days across various venues and like one of the nights i was like a headliner um mm-hmm. more or less not because i was the biggest act but because i guess traveled the furthest or whatever right um right. but that again one of those things i was like seeing other people playing just panicking just being like this is not going to go well but again <laughs> you're like i'm in new york i have to like <laughs> That was amazing. I've had, thankfully, I've had loads of amazing experience, more so than bad ones. So right, yeah. Which and again, like I'm not really a sound head, so I'm not like doing sound checks for two hours and being upset because there's some decibels missing or something. Yeah, because yeah. there's nothing worse than those sound checks that just go on or being having to wait for somebody else who's doing that. It's just a nightmare. Yeah, and it's all on me because I have a mixer on stage, so I'm essentially controlling it. Yeah, so some that, guys just kind of yeah, watching you. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, yeah, they they're like, "Do you need anything?" And I'm like, "I'm alright." More or less, just monitors. So your live setup, you got a sequencer, a synth, you got a mixer and a mic, and mm. is that it? What else? So is anything else? I, I basically, I'll even tell you what it is. It's like uh, Roland TR8S, right? Um, and it's just got like loads of different samples of drum machines and classic ones i have a beat step pro so that's uh keeps everything time on linkedin and then i have mm-hmm. uh, a bear ringer synth the ms20 clone and that's just doing bass lines and shit and then i use my phone as uh my sampler so it plays like backing like tracks of like noisy guitar lines or like um dylan thomas like spoken word stuff or something and then i do shouting abuse out of people (laughs) (laughs) and like really simple and compact nothing more like that's great so how the phone sampler thing is that literally just playing little files or have you got a sampler app on there no it's it's just literally like a playlist on the apple like the phone's like music player whatever and i just kind of because it's on a mixer and its own channel Uh uh-huh you know, I can completely mute that channel and throw in something else and then bring it in. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes I bring in a few pedals to put in uh, the mixer so it has effects mm-hmm. and auxiliary so I can dub it out, throw spring reverb or whatever on it. So you've got it pared down now. You just know exactly what you're doing. Yeah. Pretty much. And I'm pretty strict in terms of rehearsing. Like before a gig, I'll two weeks solid of practicing. And where do you practice? Are you just practicing in your house or yeah. do you have to go somewhere? No, in my bedroom with earphones. <laughs> <laughs> so just getting it all working in sequence and so you know how it's all going to work. And then obviously you're not doing the shouting so much. No, don't do any of the vocal. So that's completely new. I basically just practice the, uh, you know, transitions and going into other songs kind of thing. It's funny because... Mm. I'll, a lot of times when I play with other people, that's one of the things they say is like, oh, it's more like songs than like yeah. an hour of like, I know, like techno or whatever. So it's nice when I hear that. Yeah, because I think, though, that it's coming from that foundation, maybe of, you know, it did start in a kind of songy, like 
uh, when you started making music. They were mm. kind of, you would think of them as songs rather than tracks, maybe. Yeah, and I still do. That, and you had that like phase of being in a band where, you know, it's song orientated. Mm. So, yeah, when I, when I hear Autumn's Time, I'm still thinking them as, as songs. I can see the kind of. That's great. Yeah. The flow of them as songs. Um, that's, that's, that's the best thing I can hear. <laughs> yeah. I still think as my gear, as my bands, kind of, you know, drum machine, you know, yeah. bass player, all that. Hey, so that's all for today's episode. Thanks so much again for tuning in. And again, please uh, follow the podcast, subscribe to it, leave reviews, leave ratings if you like it, obviously. Uh, And uh, please tune in again. I'll be back very soon with episode four, which will be part two of this conversation with Autumns. So I'll see you then. Take care. Bye-bye.